Hottest week upcoming, followed by a flash freeze. Be sure to pay your taxes to help aid this unforeseen disaster. Hot is too weak? What nonsense! And then followed by a sudden flash freeze? Next, the so-called wizards will say gold will rain from the sky and solve all our tax problems. Do not fret, my dear audience, as their so-called foresight is merely a scare tactic for our rich monarch to become even richer. I once heard our wizards state that it is our mere presence which is causing these so-called arcane calamities. Even the people from the long time forgotten believe their actions have consequences and they call it global warming. <laughs> I think that will be an amusing tale. <laughs> no. No? Let me quickly grab the icicle from yesterday's snowstorm which I will use to pierce the veil so we can openly mock the duo Ramble Shamble. Good day, everybody. Welcome to Ramble Shamble. Today, we are going to be talking about a very pressing matter, and we are joined once again by Mackie, <laughs> and myself, Jotun, and all of you guys, of course. So, I have been feeling recently that winter doesn't exactly feel like winter, and summer comes a bit late, and all of that. So, I thought that it would be very point, uh, poignant and apt to talk about climate change today. But before we get into that, I just want to mention that you guys can find us on various different kinds of social media, such as YouTube, Discord, Twitter, Instagram. You can see us on Rumble, and you can find the podcast absolutely anywhere where podcasts can be found. That's Rumble, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and among others. Please, if you like what we're talking about, or even if you don't, leave us a like, a dislike, a comment, and ring the bell, because we like to know what you guys are thinking about our content. We appreciate it. And it's also, it's also important for our other playlist called Ramble Shrapnel. Yes, guys, if you try to say Ramble Shump, you see, even I get a uh, salad tongue twister there because it's ra Ramble Shamble and then there's Ramble Shrapnel. But yes, we have a little Ramble Shrapnel, which is the little bits and pieces from our main playlist called Ramble Shrapnel. See, I'm saying it again. <laughs> but as you can see, the it's quite a tongue twister, but it's basically your guys' point of views that we'll take the little bits and pieces and make it and talk about a topic that you guys bring to our attention based on the question of each episode 
and the question will be announced later in this episode of and from there we will get it from the social medias youtube our rumble as well as our discord and those questions are important to us that we'll say hey that's the one we'll post in this particular episode of ramble shrapnel but back to ramble shamble <laughs> yeah okay everybody so once again, we, were go- we are going to be talking about climate change today because I, I'm i a big believer in it. Mackie, I surely hope that you're not a climate change denier. Um, <laughs> yeah, but are you? Well, Donald Trump did bring a, a very convincing topic on hand. He said that climate change is not a real thing. So, but yeah, jokes aside, I, I am a believer of climate change. But I might have a, a slightly different view of why you think climate change is caused by. That's where I might deviate because a lot of people nowadays think, oh, climate change is only caused by industrial revolution. And I might have a bit more of an open-minded opinion about that. Really? That's that's actually treading a little bit in the territory of climate change denial. But I, but I, but I do understand. I also get uh, have a bit of a more nuanced position on it as well but that's more informed by my archaeological uh, education and maybe so I think that will be a little bit different with that regard as well but tell me um, what do you think about flat earth stuff <laughs> they make me laugh. I'm sorry because, like, <laughs> like, just since we're going to be talking about, um, like, kind of conspiracy theory kind of stuff. What do you think about that sort of thing? I think it's a a lot of bull because their scientific proof is so flawed. Because as a scientist, like I mentioned in a previous episode before, is that if I can something is always true unless someone can prove me wrong otherwise and they their understanding of how flat earth can actually be a thing is ludicrous because one of them says oh we live in a dome i'm like okay then how wh- uh, 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 a geodesic dome oh yeah whatever the hell that means <laughs> but then how does that work because if i fly directly up or a geodesic dome basically i'm thinking of a dome and if i fly in one direction continuously would I not collide with that dome? And then people say, oh, no, no. Because basically uh, there's some portal or some way that you just kind of come out the other end like Pac-Man in a, like a Pac-Man game where you see them go out <laughs> one edge of the screen and appear on the other side. That makes no sense. And Just like like the, the god who wrote the code just made it wrap around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. And basically... How do you explain the stuff that we've been to space? We've, guys, if you if you've been living under a bubble or a dome, please explain to me Elon Musk's videos of us leaving the atmosphere atmosphere to space. Would he not explode in this dome, or do we think this dome is so far that it reaches to the end of the galaxy and the people that f- literally make an orbit around our Earth somehow see a continuous disk? Wouldn't they see the underside of the planet? <laughs> yeah. Now I think I think I also think it's pretty kooky. A lot of the a lot of the the experiments and things that they talk about as proving flat Earth theory are actually things that disprove it, yeah, like exactly. the ship going over the horizon. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't even remember what their flawed reasoning is. But that isn't something that proves it. It's actually something that disproves it. Okay. I mean, geez, how can you misinterpret the information so hectically? I'll kid but, you. But one, one theory that I do think is very interesting, although that I don't necessarily believe in, is the whole inner earth theory. Oh, yeah, if for you've sure. heard of that. Yeah, for sure. I'm uh, also open-minded to believe in that. Yeah, because it's it's just so fascinating to me to learn about what's that guy, uh, Lieutenant Bird, who went to the Antarctic and apparently at the, the North and the South Poles, they're just basically these tunnels that go into the inner <laughs> Earth. But what, what makes it really interesting is that in folklore from across the entire world, most civilizations talk about their civilization coming out of cave-like tunnels and catacombs under the earth. And I think that it's very interesting how different civilizations from across the whole world who don't have any kind of link with each other, except maybe in the very, very prehistoric past before uh, settlements and farming and cities was even a thing, how they have the same kind of myth. Now that that could lead, like indicate something more along the lines of Jung's concept of the archetype and uh, shared human unconscious and such. But I think it's interesting. And a lot of it has to do with myths about demons and angels and stuff as well. And weird technologies coming from down there that's influenced people's minds. Let's just say that it's interesting. No, so, I, I agree. And, with that. and I'm, and I'm, I'm a bit more of. Um, there's a philosopher called Popper. I'm a bit more of a like a Popper kind of person or scientist, where I say it's not always about what you can prove with science, but it's only things that you can disprove that you can like discount and discard completely. So before that is properly disproven, then I'm open. You know? well, well, that's the thing. that If you say, I believe that there's a subterranean world, you're not wrong until I can physically go down there and travel the entire subterranean of Earth and prove to you that there's nothing in there. So yeah. technically, you're right. So there's more people. People will say, I believe in more people. Yes, you are correct. Because <laughs> as, long, as long as no one can prove you wrong, there's more people. So yeah. technically, you're right. And I just want to say one thing before we get to our main topic. My geography teacher back at high school was a flat earther. Isn't that interesting? Oh, no. <laughs> That must have been so cool. You guys must have been hosing yourselves. He had a nice certificate even stating, I believe I'm a flat earther. This is my certificate, the organization and the stamp of approval that flat earth exists, etc, etc. I'm like, hmm, how much should I take away from this geography lesson? (laughs) They have an organization? Yes, they do. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, that's actually ties into today's episode a little bit as well, because we do get people who deny climate change. Um, and normally for what I would regard as flawed reasoning, 
um, because they, they don't really think of a wider picture of the entire phenomenon. But there are a few points that I think most people, when they think about climate change, don't really take into account. But we can, we can get to that a bit later. But my first question for you, Mackie, is what do you think the extent of climate change will be? Let's say 50 years from now and then at its absolute worst, whenever that may be. Well, look, the, the climate change in the short thing is that obviously our Earth is going to heat up. And just by that heat up, that additional five degrees that the end of the world scenario is predicted to be by like five degrees Celsius. Um, it is quite dramatic in the spa the areas where there is most pollution, unfortunately China at this stage, because they are big uh, gas junkies, they, <laughs> they will experience the worst at the, ep at the epicenter of, because they are the ones producing most of it and keeping most of the heat in. And, Basically, I'm predicting that all the major contributors, China, I think America's still up there as soon as scale, Australia, funny enough, and they will just have the... Oh, really? Yeah. Australia. 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 I can go in more detail, but I'll keep them, I'll just say them for now. And they are going to experience severe droughts and then sudden massive flooding. And the rest of the world, in a bit of a smaller scale will experience the same kind of effects sudden cold cold fronts sudden hot waves tornadoes or hurricanes that go to south africa which we don't experience nearly as often probably will become a norm to us where like age southeast asia will probably experience winter and the whole climate of everything so animal life who's not accustomed to cold weather like winter will start dying out Animal life not accustomed to flooded floods or severe droughts will start dying out. So I'm suspecting our whole ecosystem to be completely uh, put under immense pressure to either evolve and survive or die with the with the world kind of like cleaning itself off. So I'm thinking quite a bit of population reduction in both plant life, animal life, and human life. Yeah. And what do you so you say that that's the extreme events? What do you think is going to be the case in about twenty or fifty years? I think twenty years will still be relatively fine. Um, I think that people around the world, which are now also still experiencing mass mass floods and stuff, will start needing to kind of wake up and say, okay, we need to be build better infrastructure. So I think twenty years we're going to start like saying building better infrastructures, but I think after fifty years. I think that's when we're going to start experiencing some major climate changes that we're not quite used to. People, and I think the sea level is going to rise quite considerably. Like Singapore, which is a floating island pretty much, is going to start sinking quite dramatically. As mm -hmm. well as Venice. I believe that they are sinking just because of the sheer weight of their city. And I think Yeah, that, they've been I, sinking for a long time. I think that it's in 50 years, we're going to see like people like from Singapore or Venice need to go more inland and we're going to have less land overall due to the melting of the ice caps yeah well we're going to lose a lot of art when venice goes, oh, <laughs> goes down time. the toilet um which will be really sad but yeah i also 
I, th- I think that people, when they think about climate change, they tend to think that everything will kind of be like a hot oven around the world. But that isn't how it's going to play out. It's like you said, we're going to have the same kind of, cl- the, well, there will be an average temperature increase, but we're basically going to be just living in a lot more of the extremes of human or of natural climate. So uh, one of the biggest things will be that all of these extremes will have a whiplash effect, basically. Like you were saying, in Southeast Asia, there's going to be periods of really hot dry spells and drought. And then out of nowhere, the climate will whiplash and it will just be crazy flooding. And before people are actually able to properly harness and capture that kind of water and the flooding and all of that, it'll be right back to drought and dry spell Mm -hmm. because there's a certain amount of time that plant life and animals need in order to actually utilize that water as well. But they they simply won't have enough time. It'll be that kind of like a phrase, um, it never rains, but it pours. Mm. And it'll be exactly the same for us as well, because we'll be dealing with all of our infrastructure and things being absolutely ruined by these floods before we actually have a chance to utilize and capture those kind of floods. Very true. So I think that'll be one extent. And another one will be that we will lose a lot of fresh water in the world because a lot of it is captured inside of the polar ice caps. And the more of that that's melted, the more that will be transferred directly into the ocean. So it'll all just become the opposite of diluted. Like all that fresh water will just get a lot of salt in it. And I guess you could make the argument that we're not really losing anything in that kind of scenario because we're not drinking that water anyway if it's frozen. But it makes a massive difference on us as well because the sea levels will rise as as a result of that. And basically all the rivers and things that lead into the ocean will or substantial amounts of them will disappear along with that because the ocean will creep further and further up those river streams. Well, that's an interesting thing. I'm sorry to interrupt you. So are you a firm believer that since the ice caps are melting, the fresh water does, will not dilute the salt content in our seas? No, I think I, I don't really think so because we, we have such a, I think I'm not exactly sure what the number is, but it's like an order of magnitude more salt water than there is fresh water. So even even if there is some amount of dilution that happens, I don't even think it'll be enough dilution in order for marine life to be affected by it, let alone us. Okay, no, no, that's a lie. We will be affected by it. But I don't really think that marine life will be affected by it. I, I, I say it would be affected by it. Obviously, the deepest depths of the oceans, which is, could be, which you guys can see in another episode of Ramble Shamble. But I think the deepest depths won't be affected. But I think the top layer fish will experience less salt and kind of 
force them to go further down to get their needed salt intake, the more fresher for air for them. So I think like yeah. near the top, so fishing is going to be harder, in my opinion, for initially yeah. the, for initial bits. I agree with you. I think after like say a few years, the amount of pee that they do and we pee in the water and etc., it's going to make it salty again. The water's going to get the high sodium content that it w- wanted. I just think initially the fish are just going to go further down. So people are going to say, oh, we can rely on fish for hunting for food when we having our crops start drying up. I'm like, hmm. With the oceans, I think that the fresh water, the seawater fish are going to go further down because they're going to say, hey, we can't breathe as well as we used to in the surface. And it's going to go into the little bit darker spots. And then after, say, 20 years, then they'll come, start coming back up because they would salt up the ocean enough again. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that they will just die because a lot of fish are acclimated to only live in a certain kind of pressure. So if they, if they were forced to go deeper and deeper, then I don't think there would be enough evolutionary time for them to be able mm. to adapt to that. True. I think there would just be a massive dying off <laughs> if, that were, if that were necessary. Sushi. Yeah. But, but that actually leads into one of my other questions or my response to them. But we'll get to that a bit later. First, I want to ask you, do you know of anything that is being done to combat climate change, aside from the usual thing of like recycling, driving less? Like what large-scale initiatives or new technologies are being implemented right now in order to combat this? So there's quite a few that are being done right now. And one of them that I think a lot of people will refer to is carbon capturing where or greenhouse capturing, where they physically pull the greenhouse gases from the atmosphere and uh, reduce the amount of greenhouse gases in there. And they, uh, unfortunately right now, that kind of technology is very time, a very expensive process and not nearly enough to kind of reduce the how, how to say the the greenhouse gases to that such extent and i do know of a lot of techniques that can be done to reduce it but since your question is focusing on existing technology so they have carbon capturing which is busy pulling the greenhouse gases away from the atmosphere however the the best technologies that i can say for reduction in carbon capturing is yo it's such a there's so many little variety little bits and pieces that form the biggest one so it would be carbon capturing and then solar energy those are my two biggest one biggest reason or biggest influences to reduction in our greenhouse gases or basically reducing the, hmm. the amount of punishment that we've put into our ozone already yeah i think i think there's another awesome one that i learned about which isn't necessarily carbon capturing although i think that the result is like is the same effect i think it has something to do with tackling all of the the waste or the human waste inside that like it's called the the pacific garbage patch or something Mm. like that very true um I i think that there are some initiatives that will kind of in some way recycle all of that crap that's inside of the ocean and have the same net positive effect that carbon capturing has 
but but that's 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 all I know about. But then again, I don't really look into things that much. Well, that that's the thing that what you bring up is a very good point. Is that uh, why I said that focusing on industries and indu- industrial pe- uh, companies who like I worked for a company and they release toxic fumes into the air and focusing just on them is not an accurate representation of the biggest cause of what's causing global warming is that you write about the fact that 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 waste power as being one of the sources of creating methane which methane is a greenhouse gas and that decomposition of food and that kind of stuff is one of the biggest reasons why we are experiencing greenhouse uh, or climate change is that all that decomposition people think oh it's fine it's going to there guys <laughs> whatever you decompose is not a nice clean smell if you try to sniff, go to your garbage I, I dare one of you guys to go to your garbage after a week open the lid and s- take a big whiff of that and you tell me that smells pleasant mm-hmm. that's the stuff that you release into the air basically causing climate change yeah I don't know about you, but you just mentioned um, you just mentioned the greenhouse. Every single time someone talks about the greenhouse effect, you know what plays in my mind. I think of that one episode from Futurama where there's like this informative video of the greenhouse effect. It is so hilarious. <laughs> it's set in like those uh, 50s infomercial kind of affairs. It looks like something out of Fallout. But it's just so hilarious. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Um, do you think that those techniques are actually effective? Yeah. I, 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 for myself, I think that they, at the moment, I don't think that they're very effective, but only because there isn't enough money behind it at the moment. I think at the moment, we're still focusing a bit too much on convincing the public to do small little things to help combat it, which I definitely believe in because I'm I'm a big believer in incremental progress and the power that each of us has to affect large-scale change. But I, I don't think there's enough money being funneled into those big initiatives. Do you think it's effective? Look, guys, uh, whoever's listening to this, I believe every little bit helps. And fortunately, from the research I've done, we are actually succeeding in a battle. Uh, the reason why I say that is that the prediction, like I mentioned before, at the beginning of this episode, is five degrees hotter. It's it's five degrees. You think, oh, that's nothing. That is huge. It is now three degrees hotter because a lot of countries, especially the more developed countries, are putting a lot more initiative to climate change. And I think that is one of the biggest factors that has been working towards it is keeping the awareness out on climate change and just kind of making the small changes that you can. And one of the biggest reasons why, so, so there's a lot of reasons that cause climate change. And like I said, uh, Jotun mentioned is that the fact that the trash is also creating huge amounts of gases that are polluting our atmosphere. So one of the changes that we should do as a human society is proper uh, waste management, uh, food distribution, because the fact that we, certain countries like America who have too much food, that they end up wasting all that food because obviously there's so much, their markets are filled with so much food that they don't always sell all of that. And where does the waste of that go? To the trash. 
Same thing with other countries where they have, where like South Africa in some ways also have too much meat. And what happens to the meat that doesn't get consumed? They trash it. And that's creating more and more gas. So there's a lot of waste management that can be done. And a lot of countries are doing that. Uh, funny enough, there's waste management that's con- that helps with greenhouse gases. Also, how many people we breed. Unfortunately, there's certain countries that breed like rabbits. And there's countries like <laughs> China who uh, have very strict, who had, sorry, they don't have as much anymore. They had a very strict rule of one child per family. Obviously, when if you had twins, you can't really control yourself there. But a journey is one child mm-hmm. per family. And that way, it does help with climate change because you are providing properly to the child and you obviously you prepped and ready for it. So a lot of the signs point to yes, because a lot of the greenhouse gases, funny enough, don't come from industries, comes from the individuals from their homes because – they have this whole study of how much pollution a person does per country. And I think America's up there and Australia's also up there where each person produces a lot of pollution. But like if you compare it to someone from Nigeria who's from a poorer background, they produce basically no pollution because they don't have the need to produce. And solar panels are a very good way of reducing that overall pollution because now you're not cre- you're not creating electricity draw out you're not needing to burn fossil fuels so i think yes every little bit actually makes an impact bigger than what most people might think but i agree with you Jotun. not enough money is going into the initiatives for ch- preventing climate change yeah and if you if you think about it that's a very massive hindering factor behind actually combating it more effectively than we're doing at the moment because we have a lot we have a huge amount of brilliant minds out there but nobody's going to be able or nobody's going to have the incentive to actually think of creative new ways to tackle this problem unless they are dang unless there's a carrot of extra money behind it uh sorry unless there's an incentive it's just yeah. i didn't want to i didn't want to repeat the word incentive i don't know about you but i'm i'm one of those people that uh, in my mind i think like i don't want to sound stupid so i don't want to repeat the same <laughs> word that i already used in this sentence no i'm a, i'm a firm believer of a word works stick with it if people say yeah. oh you use the same word more than twice i'm like well, you try to figure out, you give me a word that has the same impact as incentive. And I agree with you. Incentive is the right word there. Yeah. So without the right incentives, and in this case, financial incentives, the, the top researchers and brilliant minds of our generation won't really get behind that problem unless they have a true passion for solving it. Well, that, that's the thing like, so look, my ultimate solution for global warming will definitely be the fact that global warming would definitely be the fact that we should have implemented something because right now our country or our world our world is so independent in their own ways of thinking that it's causing us to fumble on our foot feet and a very dramatic way of doing such a thing in correcting the situation is that i propose like a year like a one year every like say five years where we all come together we all come towards a singular goal of like strict 
control. What I'm saying is about that, like that. I mean, like one government tells one government to kind of lead the the whole world, where they say, "Okay, guys, you're only allowed to have one child per family." Um, and part of that initiative would be is redistribution of the wealth from our billionaires. And I'll, I might get a lot of slack and slap from our more wealthy people, but I'm not saying a hundred percent of it. I'm just saying like fifty percent of their five or fifty billion dollar thing that they have on their bank account, which they will never use. They will uh, keep in their company for from heaven to come unless they decide to donate a lot of to charity. And part of, a lot of that is the fact that it would be just redistribute some of that those funds to worthy causes and that would be well a lot of that would be towards climate change yeah i'm gonna to have to throw a spanner in your works there Go because ahead. i'm pretty sure that super rich people already pay something like 60 percent taxes it's yeah. just that they're so it's just that they make so damn much money that it doesn't even make despite the fact yeah even despite the fact that they're paying like 60 percent in taxes they still make like 20 billion dollars or something which, if you think about that, is even more crazy. But the problem about that is that so they donate that uh, that large sum of money to those charities, and that gets them tax immunity. So since they've donated, say, twenty million dollars to the certain charity, and say fifty million to another charity, what they would have originally been taxed on now goes away because they donated a certain amount of uh, money to or monies, if people like that way. To, to certain yeah. charities, which basically gives them immunity to being taxed if they were to not donate. So the only incentive for them to donate is that if you donate a certain portion of your money, you won't be taxed as much. And part of me, yeah. part of why I say it in that reasoning is that you don't get, you don't, it's not like a taxation. The money that they would obviously never be able to use. So uh, Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. I think he still is. And he has more money than he can yeah, ever use in his life. Despite forking over all that money for Twitter. Exactly. So even, even with all that money, and all I'm saying is that he doesn't take all of it, but I say, okay, Elon, uh, I say, since the world is governed by this one leader and his, his rule is law, 50% of his money, irrespective of how much he's redonated, gets taken away because he won't physically or realistically be able to use that money. He because yeah. he's got so much of it that it's now just sitting in a bank account or bank accounts plural, and it's not being utilized. We're going to take fifty percent of that and give it to our technology needs, traveling out of space, uh, going uh, climate change because we want to preserve the planet, and only for one year. And then the next four years we go back to freedom again. We go but go back a little bit more open minded. But I think like. Every five years where we have one rule, one, uh, one year where everything's quite strict, quite controlled, it's a very dramatic approach, but I think it would make a lot more of a difference than, than us just sitting on our hands and saying, oh, I'm pretty sure Australia's handling it. Oh, I'm pretty sure USS is handling huh. it. And then we could all be doing a lot more. Yeah. Well, that, that's actually is quite an interesting thing. So I think that Elon Musk might be a bit misguided in his big plans to do like terraforming and stuff on Mars because I think that as a proof of concept before we actually try to do something like that we should actually take the right steps to basically terraform the planet that we're already living on exactly. before we try Agreed. to do it on another planet 
But on the other hand, you could actually make the argument that the biggest factor that's impeding terraforming on Earth, which is people and our desire, which has caused all of this in the first place, that it actually is more effective to try terraform another planet because there are no people there. So they won't be screwing it up the whole time. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, I was also thinking of that. And yeah, it's kind of nitpick on each situation, like how much terraforming would be acceptable. And I think to kind of meet the middle ground, I would think that you don't terraform completely, like go from zero to 100. You go from zero to 20 and then see if it works and then go from 20 to 50 and then keep it at 50. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I think that we should get to the last question, which is a pretty cool, cool one and uh, definitely a big one, which is what do you think is the best way to tackle the way that that you propose climate change is going to be happening? So also, again, maybe recap on how you think climate change is going to happen and then what do you think is the is an ideal solution or something that can be explored. Well, can you go first while I formulate my question, but uh, my answer to your question? Sure thing. Okay, so I basically think that all of the different biomes in the world will see changes in terms of their reach and extent. Some will grow and some will shrink quite suddenly. So probably the first thing that's going to happen is the Mediterranean Sea is going to disappear again because I think at the end of the last ice age, all the water that was in all, all the ice and snow that was around Norway and had spread very far down from the poles or very far inland from the poles suddenly melted. And so the area that used to be lush where the Mediterranean is now located, flooded and became an ocean or a sea or part of the ocean. Um, so I think one of the first things is that that's going to disappear. All of the deserts are going to expand and go grow wider. At least all of those along the equator or the tropics, because no, yeah, they'll all expand. Um, and so basically what I'm saying is all the lush jungles and tropical areas and actually arable land will become smaller and smaller and deserts will become bigger and bigger. And in, as, as a result of this, I think that it will be necessary for humanity as a whole to basically pick, pick, pack their bags and get the hull out of all those still green and lush areas, although they, they would actually be the nicest for us to live in, the safest, we wouldn't be able to afford living there because we would be forced to use that for any kind of farming efforts that we can still sustain, which would mainly be focused on crops that rely on flooding events, such as rice and wheat and such. So our food is going to see big changes as well. And I think that a 
a very good example of what we're going to be forced to do is how Dubai was built or Dubai because it was just like barren desert before beforehand and then over a scale of something ridiculously small probably like two or three decades lo and behold this absolutely industrious vibrant city was built in the middle of the bloody desert <laughs> and I think that we're going to be forced basically all of us are going to be forced to live inside the desert and places where we can't grow things and I don't actually think it'll be that bad because we've we've developed capable air conditioning technologies and such already and in a sense you can actually argue that it would be better because if we were all forced to move to the desert then we would have to be, be very energy efficient as well so you know what better place is there for solar power than living in the bloody desert <laughs> you know so i think that'll be one way that we're gonna approach it and another way is that we we talked a bit about it on in our episode on the oceans i think that there will also be more ocean-based cities but it will be far less permanent and far more nomadic than normal city definitely far more so than greece and uh, not not greece venice i don't i don't think that we'll have concrete structures on the ocean i think it'll be like small scale cities of like light structures and such so it, it could even be that we have suburbs that are on the oceans and then in the deserts will have industrial areas which i can think is very plausible for actually being located right next to each other because you do get desert areas that are basically on the brink of the ocean it's just that because none of that ocean water can be captured as fresh water the like even the shoreline isn't really teeming with that much life and so I think it's very plausible that you could have something like suburb areas on the ocean, even if that means that people are basically living on yachts or something of that nature, um, or heli carriers, you know, all of those uh, massive ships that are able to hold things as heavy as bloody, like, aeroplanes and jumbo jets you know those things are surely able to carry some people or a lot of people and there's also the invention the, the invention of pycrete that could make flotation a lot easier but i don't know exactly how pycrete is sustained or maintained because after a while it does dissolve eventually do you know what pycrete is nope so I think pycrete is basically sawdust that has been compressed <laughs> and wet and then they put like a layer of paper on top of that and then another layer of sawdust and then another layer of paper and it's extreme it floats extremely extremely well like ridiculously well but the problem is that eventually um, it does corrode so I don't know if 
if you can just like laminate it or something. But um, no, that probably wouldn't work because ocean salt water is so much more corrosive than not even normal water. But probably, I think somewhere down the line, we'll be using something like graphene in that case and in that scenario anyway. So you can probably have floating graphene on the ocean, which would be much sturdier than anything else. Basically, you will be forced to live in the desert, use uh, all arable land for farming, and we'll have to have some kind of way of using the ocean for our personal like habitation as well. Yeah, like I think the biggest drawback for your solutions or the biggest dependency is that humanity figuring out a more energy efficient uh, or better way of generating energy because yeah. living in a desert is possible like you mentioned like air cons or dubai but they're huge energy chunkers because obviously to keep humanity in a state of luxury or sense of continuous growth energy is going to be required and I, you can say oh but solar panels solar panels are yes a, a good way but we like what we'll hope hopefully make like dark matter i know like Jotun likes the idea that dark matter is the solution to energy. Maybe we make an episode for that. Dark matter. But uh, yes. for your solution, I definitely think it's highly dependent that we find a ways of making an energy or making a, a more sustainable way of generating or using up energy. And like, because I, I think of Tatooine from Star Wars where they have dehumidifiers where they collect humi uh, humidity from the air to generate water. And that would solve a lot of the w reasons why we can't live in the desert is that we could have these giant dehumidifiers where it collects water from the atmosphere or from the air, which would be quite abundant because be, um, water levels will probably rise and because of this sudden hot and cold weather changes, it would be able to gather quite a bit of water. And in that way, you could s uh, kind of live on the desert. You're right, like maybe the soil won't be ideal for growth and etc. But I think we would your approach is not unrealistic just that it it's highly dependent that humanity does the eureka of saying we found a way of better using energy or creating a new way of generating energy yeah well there would definitely be small scale like subsistence farming with hydroponics happening absolutely everywhere yeah like everybody will have their own little hydroponic gardens inside of their houses and and such but um I think for large-scale industrial farming and agriculture of that nature, it'll definitely need to be isolated. Well, it has to use the arable area. That's what arable means. Yeah. But we've been fluffing about my solution for a while now. What do you think is the best way to approach it? So, yeah, judging by your approach, so humanity in a similar way will be forced to kind of evolve or adapt to the situation so i definitely think we'd be moving more inland soil and stuff will definitely reduce but not looking at the more long uh more future term of we just evolve and more react to it than pro be proactive about it i think the biggest thing that we can do as a society which i've kind of really mentioned already is that we just make so there's really stats that states that we we as a as a populace our agriculture and food generation is can meet our demand for the entire world 
up and above so i think the better Definitely. way to do that is redistribute redistribute the food a lot better so get logistics to get a lot better so we fix our logistic problems and get that food that we definitely know that hey america won't eat fifth one family won't eat 50 steaks in two days then redistribute take that food somewhere else which they need food so that they cause less farming where they don't need to farm because if america is really producing more than enough food for say uh philippines or the many islands of philippines then why should they need to kind of agriculture or do certain things they do in order to make food america could just supply it to other countries so in that way you you would uh, uh, save up on farmland and keep america to keep producing and keep them doing what they need to do just deliver the excess amount of food to the other countries at uh, not at a price because the biggest thing to us is that oh we have to make the big next big buck guys if that food is going to go to waste don't charge it uh, like an arm and a leg charge it for like say get something back but i don't say charge it by extreme so redistribution redistribution of the food would be one of the biggest in my opinion fights against climate change because if all the gr big uh, producers like for your desert idea i think that's a clever idea is that move away from the the land that will be used for agriculture and but then at the same time if one country is really producing excess food that they don't even use you'll save up on weight food wastage and s solve uh food hunger around the world and i think that would be a, a very effective means of killing two birds with one stone oh yeah definitely i think i think for the most part, I might be a bit more pessimistic than you are about it because it seems like you think that we're definitely going to implement something before it gets to the extremes where there will be massive biome changes across the world. I think that only when those massive biome changes are actually going to happen will people realize that, oh crap, we actually need to do something about this right now before it gets even worse well that that's a like how you describe it is is definitely a reasonable pro, uh, reasonable idea because or a re reasonable prediction because a lot of the time we humans are like uh, a frog in water and when you start heating oh, up the yeah. water slowly the frog doesn't jump out of the water he basically boils to death and a lot of people the reason why we adopt that approach is because we lose hope and it's like pandora's yeah. box we lose hope we think it's really over uh elon musk is making his way to leave the planet earth so he definitely thinks it's over and because he's the richest and apparently the smartest person on the planet which i say otherwise <laughs> um that the world earth is done we should just party like it's there's no tomorrow uh chop down anything eat whatever we can and say effort to the next generation and that's the approach that will justify why we would go to your apocalyptic or forced to evolve or die situation where i hope is such a strong thing that if we all come together and say hey guys we have the technology we have it in our grasp of how to fix climate change we have everything at our disposal we know how to do it we have all the ideas we have the approaches 
the only thing we're waiting on is funding we need the the support of just and that's the only thing that's outlined and if we can get the money the support then climate change can be fixed quite quickly and quite easily it's going to require us to tighten our belts a bit but i definitely think it's it's quite an easy approach to fixing things and making our whole world which is quite divided between race culture and a number of different things which i don't say we should get rid of but kind of coming together to be united as we are earth people and we should be treated as earth people because when aliens eventually come down i was just thinking that as well like just when you said earth people i immediately thought oh mac is gonna talk about aliens i know it (laughs) but that's that's exactly how it is it's going to be humans versus aliens and again what we're going to do then if we are fighting amongst ourselves the aliens are just going to come here and say look at this uh earth this planet that the species don't even align their ideals to the same course they're not going to fight us they're not going to give us a proper fight we can just take down the biggest guns and then voila we we've done that but think of a planet earth where everyone is of the same kind of level of understanding yes guys i'm not saying that we should all become hive mind i'm don't get me wrong but i think that <laughs> it's so easy to kind of fix the solution but we must stop fighting against each other and start saying we can do this that's what i'm saying yeah well that definitely does make sense like if aliens if well except i think that if aliens come and we haven't even managed to get climate change together how big a surprise would it be if then all of a sudden we do come together and beat the crap out of them oh but that would be so cool that would be the coolest day and then again when obviously when we move apart again that kind of stuff that's fine and i i encourage that because that's how we come with new ideas and new cultures and new arts and new ways of thinking but i do think that we often argue with ourselves like and have wars against unnecessary wars and a lot of the time it's unnecessary we're doing this for what i want his land okay but why can't you approach that and both come together and say why don't we use the land productively for humanity rather than saying i want yeah. more land to build a new uh factory for my people and my people only that's such a old way of thinking yeah no no definitely so you think that we can basically use the resources that we're already making more effectively and that's actually the best way to combat climate change exactly just knowing using it more effectively because we have the technology we have the resources the only thing that's outlined is that we need the support the support really yeah okay okay nice so it's that's against my more gloomy <laughs> let's call it gloomy my more gloomy outlook on the things okay so everybody that is unfortunately the end of the episode but we would like you guys to let us know whose outcome and solution do you think is probably going to happen yeah probably going to happen which is more likely to happen and let us know what you think about climate change what do you think about a possible solution for it as well you know, Mackie and I can only do so much research. <laughs> and I'm sure that you guys have a lot of cool ideas that can be effective. 
but you guys can find us on various different kinds of social media to let us know about this. Um, that's Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. And we would like you guys to please like, comment, and, sub and subscribe for YouTube. Ring that notification bell with the other places where you can find our podcast, such as Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all of those little places. Please, again, comment, like, subscribe, even dislike if you really want to. Um, that also helps us a little bit because then we can become better. And yeah, on Apple, you can leave us a five-star review, which we will happily appreciate. And Mackie, you know, an hour is a bit long to listen to a podcast episode. Don't, don't you wish that there was something a little bit shorter for our listeners as well? Yeah, it's almost almost like there should be a separate playlist for our Spotify or other platforms that we post on. Like a, a playlist for the bits and pieces that that we use the questions and opinions from the audience to make a shorter episode. It's so easy, so simple. So all they have to do is would be is go on our Discord or comment on our YouTube channel and say, this is the topic of or this is the answer to your question in the episode. And it's almost like we would take that topic or their topics and make a 15 pieces, 15 minutes or so episodes and call it Ramble Shrapnel. I, w I wonder, I wonder if there is something like that. Jotun, is there something else like that? Hmm. I'm not quite sure, but I mean, people can always just go to, go to our channel and check out if such a thing exists. I mean, be pretty cool only 15 minutes here or there and it'll be so convenient like i have 15 minutes in my day where i go to go to the shopping center and a 15 minute drive and i could just plug and play it it's such a clever idea <laughs> okay 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 <laughs> let's 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 be honest i bet there are a lot of people that can listen to a whole 15 minute episode just while going to the toilet even all of us can spare 15 minutes and if you guys can't tell our sarcasm or advertising there is that kind of thing on our separate playlist ramble shrapnel feel free to listen to those we'll post those as soon as we get more comments from you guys and we hope to be as consistent as our ramble shramble episodes which we plan to post every thursday and again guys if we can't post for some random reason like say hey uh we're going on vacation and we won't be uh, able to edit episodes etc then the only way you will be able to find out about that is if you join our different social medias as highlighted by Yotin. So thank you again for joining us this very nice, warm, hopefully warm day, everybody. And we will see you guys next time. We were joined once again by Mackie. And it's a farewell from us. Bye-bye.